Um, well, good morning. It's, it's great to be with you on another sunny day. A bit cloudy today, but it's been a wonderful weekend, hasn't it, of sunshine and, and just sort of getting outside and doing things that we can't do in the rain. And as my father-in-law would say, it's tap-taff weather, which is, it's not raining in Glaswegian, and it's a little bit sunny, and uh, let's get your shirt off. Uh, yesterday we went and had uh, ice cream, you know, just sort of kick off the, the summer season a little bit early. Uh, we went to Holy Giletto. I don't know if you've been there before. It's uh, a little short drive southwest of here towards Gloucester. And, uh, oh, just wonderful ice cream. If you haven't tried it, go and do it. Um, so as uh, Nikki said, I'm Simon. And uh, my wife and I moved over to Trinity in January. And I'm currently training to be a vicar and I will be getting ordained in June. And after that, I'll be starting here as a curate, um, which is best described as being like a baby vicar, I guess. <laughs> we're really excited about this season. We're excited to be with you, um, and we're excited to get to know every one of you that we're, we can see here. Um, and it takes some time, because it's a bigger church than we're used to. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And... Um, this season we're doing Lent, we're doing a series on feasting and fasting, and this preaching series uh, has been looking at the meals in Luke's Gospel. And I know there is a, a book that families have been working through uh, together exploring this, and for the rest of us there's a reading plan and some questions to begin thinking about uh, that have been posted on the website. And today we're going to look at Luke 10, uh, 38 to 42. And it's the story of Martha and Mary. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, why don't you turn to that or scroll to that, click on an app. And um, we're going to read that together. So that's Luke 10, 38 to 42. And we see that Jesus has just finished teaching on the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, where Jesus is instructing us not to ignore the one by the side of the road of life, um, but to go and help them, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's difficult. So starting at verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So often we read this short story, and we jump to the conclusion that Martha's bad and Mary's good. But I have a lot of sympathy for Martha. In verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So it's Martha. It's Martha who extended the invitation to Jesus and his disciples. Now, this event is also told in the Gospel of John. And John tells us that Martha and her sister Mary reside in Bethany, uh, which is a small city at the outside or the outskirts of Jerusalem. Uh, along with their brother, Lazarus. 
So that's their, house, their household. And it's roughly two miles away from the center of Jerusalem. And it's most likely that the house where Jesus uh, will later raise Lazarus from the dead, as where Mary would anoint Jesus' feet with the perfume on his way to Jerusalem. So it's a pretty crucial location in Jesus' ministry. Despite this probably being the house where Martha and Mary and Lazarus all lived, we read that it is Martha who extends this invitation. It is Martha who shows hospitality and who provides a space for Jesus. Now, we also don't know how many people Jesus was traveling with. By that point, he could be referring to the 12 men. He could be referring to those chosen disciples that he's appointed. We also read in some of the commentaries that it could be that he had 77 followers with him. So he could be traveling with a very large group going into this one home. But let's be honest, even if it was just the 12 plus Jesus, it's a very large group of people still, isn't it? I mean, Christmas dinner, how many people do you have over? Six or seven? That was, that's a pretty large number, isn't it? And it requires that military level of, of organization and planning. And Martha did this for probably many more. But the problem came after Jesus and his disciples arrived at the house. And in verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she's distracted. Okay, well, we actually see that Martha's not really doing anything that bad. What she's doing is preparing. She's getting ready for the guests. And that's what she thought. She thought it was her duty. It was her role. The passage doesn't tell us how she got distracted. But with a room full of guests who have been traveling, you can suspect she was creating a comfortable space, perhaps preparing beds, preparing food. And actually, as a woman in this culture, as a host, to offer hospitality, that would have been expected. And this is what was culturally normal. And it's what also would have been expected of her sister. So perhaps we can see why Martha goes to Jesus to complain, saying, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. That's what we culturally do. But we know that Jesus defies cultural expectation. And as his followers, that is what we should also be doing. Mary understood that. Instead of doing what was expected by society, she did what Jesus expected of her. She sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what he had to say. Now today, as we know, it's Mothering Sunday. And it's a day where we honour and celebrate all women, whether or not we have children. And I'm so aware that today can bring up a lot of feelings and emotions for a whole host of reasons. Um, and I'm personally aware of that pain that that brings, especially on days like today. But today I want to stress how much Jesus cares and sees each woman. You see, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Jesus encouraged this, telling Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. And this is actually a posture of a student learning from a Jewish rabbi. 
is the posture of a disciple. And that culturally was a man's place. But Jesus frequently gives women the place of honour. He invites Mary not to just do what's culturally expected, start tidying, start cleaning and preparing food, but to sit and listen. One of the spiritual disciplines that writer Richard Foster talks about in his book, Celebration of Discipline, uh, is the discipline of study. And that study that we do is about setting time aside to do this. For Mary, this is a valuable opportunity. And in that moment, the distractions of the world around her, she's just leaving behind. It's secondary, completely secondary. All that hospitality, and it's about the focus on one thing, it's Jesus. So are we being distracted by the world or by Jesus? This is something with which Martha misses out on due to the distractions. You see, Jesus invites us each to come and spend time with him. He invites us into a deep personal relationship. And it's with him. And he's desperate for that friendship with each one of us. And he's willing to sacrifice himself for it. He invites each one of us to abide in him, to be still and know that he is the Lord to come to the fountain of life, to let that wellspring shower over us and drink deeply. John Ottberg, an American pastor and writer, says this, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of this. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. See, being busy it is recognised as a badge of honour today. In our society, I mean, I mean my vicar once said, uh, well, the devil never took a day off. No, but God did, didn't he? You know? <laughs> Overworking actually impacts our neurochemistry in our brains. And when we are constantly in intense and demanding environments, our brains release hormones and chemicals to help us meet the challenges. But over time, we become accustomed to these hormones and these chemicals, and to the point where we have that addiction to them. It's all we can, all we can imagine. Now, I know that some seasons of life where we have less time than others, it's difficult to get everything done in the time limit we have. Speak to me in six months' time, (laughs) because we have our first child in May. Time is precious, isn't it? And it's squeezed. But God still wants us to see these places, and it does not mean that God has to be squeezed out. The average iPhone user picks up a phone 167 times in a day. It's a lot, isn't it? spends two and a half hours looking at that phone, over 76 sessions. And recent surveys with millennials suggest it's twice that. Uh, I'm in that age group. Just. The average adult in the UK spends 12 to 15 hours watching on-demand TV per week, not including streaming services such as Netflix and Amazon Prime. (laughs) But we can't find 10 minutes to come and sit with the Lord, to sit at his feet and listen to him. 
at Trinity, we have leaflets at the back uh, on the rule of life. And it's to look, uh, help us to look at individual ways to work out wh- what our structure can be for ourselves and how we can make space, how we can encounter God, how we can make space to be with him. And you see that Martha made that space. She invited Jesus in, but then she got distracted. Everything around her distracted her. Often in life, things can get stressful. And when I have a big decision to make, or even some difficult tasks, I get distracted as well. I often find that I miraculously start to tidy, I start to go around the house and and find things to do that haven't been done for months. But it's a distraction from what I really need to be doing, whether it's study or writing a preach or whatever it might be. I wonder what your distractions are. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's overworking. Maybe it's that latest box set. Or maybe like Martha, the expectation is to keep things to a certain standard, have perfectionism. In my previous job, I worked as a sports minister. And that's where faith is expressed through sports and reaches out to people to connect them to Jesus. And this could get quite busy. And sometimes I would find myself thinking about a meeting or in the mornings work and not really focused on what's in front of me. My line manager advised that I need to be a little bit more present. I need to be there in front of that person right then and there and do it more than anything else. And he led by example in this, and it really helped me to drop some of that perfectionism and focus on what's important, to care about the person in front of me rather than the distractions around me. The trouble is, perfectionism makes us focus on the end result of having it perfect, having it exactly right. And also so that others around us see that it's perfect and absolutely absolutely right. But I'm increasingly convinced that God cares not about the end result, but about the process that we walk through, about the journey, that road of life. And we see this right throughout the Bible. Places where God would have intervened and brought the perfect solution, but instead chooses to work through his people, even though they get it wrong, and even though it looks messy. Uh, Hills last week talked about feeding the 5,000, and Jesus could have intervened at that point. Um, From beginning, he told the disciples what to do. He could have just said, go and do that, go and do that, go to the shops, let's get some bread in. Uh, yeah, go and get the fish, that'll work. Or he could have even said, you know, let's, uh, let's send them home. Yeah, let's do that. That's probably the best option. But instead, he walked through a process with them. He first heard their idea, which was to send some home hungry. Then he directs them to facilitate this amazing miracle. And we see the process worked out with God is that we have to actually dig into a deep relationship with him. And the process can often look messy. And when we strive for perfect, we can often miss out on what the Lord is really doing. In 2017, Jennifer and I received a word on our wedding day, and this has formed us both. 
as we pursue our purpose and our journey along the road of life. And it's particularly apt in this season. It's a small phrase, and it's the words, embrace the chaos. This was prophesied over, over us in our lives going forward. And we didn't know what to make of it. I mean, this could mean anything. Uh, the chaos of jobs, moving house, changing roles, ministry, maybe children. For some of you, that could ring a few uh, you know, alarm bells as well. You might be thinking the same thing. And because it's often in the chaos that we delve deep into the peace of God that only he can bring. No matter what the world around us looks like, this may look like the lifestyle, the people, and the physical surroundings. Or in Martha's case, ignoring the false expectations that she put on herself, physically stopping and sitting, even when things were not perfect. I wonder how many of us empathize with Martha. I can bet there are some of us here who can think of nothing worse than to have to host, to have to look after some people, provide food, provide drink, entertainment, small talk. And you might see this is, this is not my gifting, I'm not going to do this. Maybe you're worried that your cooking's not quite up to scratch. And it can be quite vulnerable to let someone into your home. They see all your mess, they see your personality exposed, good or bad. And in this passage, we see Jesus has entered into the chaos of our lives. He has distracted us from worldly expectations and wants us to engage fully, our full attention, and to be focused on him. Martha thought she was doing this through serving. And while it was good, Jesus praises Mary for her being, not her doing. When we invite others and eat with people in community, are we looking to enjoy that delicious meal and some nice, tidy small talk? Or are we seeking to bring Jesus to the center stage, to have him be the discussion at the table and let the chaos just unravel around us? Because that is what Jesus did all the time. When we offer hospitality, I don't think we need to have that three main course meal, a beautiful, tidy house. Are our expectations of ourselves way too high? Are we listening to the pressure from society that tells us we need to do this? How about that elderly neighbour coming round for a cup of tea, for a hobnob? The mum from toddler group coming round for a coffee, even if the house is a mess, because guess what, hers is too. Or a beer in the garden after football with your mates. It's not just an invitation to have a drink or a meal. It's an invitation to share your own life, to be vulnerable, authentic, to be present. Life is chaotic. Let's not get distracted from the people who are standing right in front of us. Being busy should no longer be that badge of honour. Jesus retreated all the time from the crowds and he sought solitude in a separate place. He also sought out individuals and had meals with them. He built friendships. He discipled wherever he went. Jesus loves your next door neighbour. That friend who you need to ask how they're really doing. And the stranger on the side of the road of life. Who Jesus is saying, that one. Go and help that one. 
Let's come and sit with Jesus, be present with a friend, invite a stranger.